0: It's great to have your company again for another episode of LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris. David, welcome again. Great to have your company. Thank you. Uh, ahead of us, three questions, which uh, are questions that you guys have submitted over the last uh, weeks, uh, last month, and uh, we're going to try our best, or David's going to try his best to answer them for you. Uh, coming up on today's show, we're going to be looking at uh, what Jesus meant when he tells us to render to Caesar. Uh, and also looking at the issue of people who we love who uh, look like they're giving up their faith. But first, David, many of my friends use study Bibles. I'm afraid that if I get one, I might get lazy and just read the study notes rather than the, the Bible itself. Am I overreacting?
1: Well, I, I don't know whether you're overreacting. I think you're raising a legitimate concern. Um Study Bibles, for those who just might not be quite in the know about that, are those which have comments on the Bible text at the foot of the page, and they're designed to help readers understand the passage. I know when I was growing up, oh, I wish I would have had some of those, because the Bible made no sense to me. No one seemed to be able to explain it to me. A study Bible would have been an enormous help to me uh, in my earlier days. Nowadays, however, there's a great variety of them, Um, but I think think you raise a good cautionary point. There's there's, there's, There's a couple of problems with study Bibles. I think it is possible to become lazy and just go with the offered interpretation. In other words, instead of reading the text, you virtually go to the interpretation, and um, the interpretation may well be a good one, but uh, uh, I think that's a danger. And the other danger is that if you go straight to the interpretation, you read the Bible, and down there's a footnote down there which tells you what it means, well, the problem is that you haven't actually thought it through. It would be rather nice to actually cover up the study notes down the foot of the page and just wrestle with it yourself with the mm. help of the Spirit to say, hmm, what?" What might this mean? What might this mean? And then, oh, let's have a look at what the uh, commentator here uh, is saying. So I think it is a danger uh, t- if you just read the text and just then lazily, without thinking it through, just go to the the, 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 the commentary. I mean, the commentary may well be a good commentary, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it short cuts its its it, 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 its a shortcut that I think can lead to um, laziness. However, the—the the, the God has given us these commentators to help us, and those comments can be one good way of grasping the text. So I reckon, yes, you use whatever help there is there. But think through things yourself first. I think that's 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 one of the dangers that you've got to overcome. The, the other danger with study Bibles, about some study Bibles, is that some of them, particularly those written just by one person, may be pushing that one person's interpretive point of view of the Bible. Now, it may be right, it may be wrong, but we all know that there are different interpretations of the Bible. And the best study Bibles are those which actually give you an option of looking at different alternative interpretations. I was looking at one just the other day and I was very pleased with the fact that the people who wrote the comments on the particular text I was looking at were very balanced and said some people think this, some people think that and allowed you then to think it through. But the danger of a certain study bibles where one person is trying to push you into saying this is the only interpretation that can be a danger as well.
0: And I guess these days, I mean, originally we had just the NIV kind of study Bible, but now we've got John Maxwell's Leadership Bible, and we've got uh, the Men's Bible, the Couple's Bible, the oh, Teenager's Bible, and uh, yeah, thank goodness for the capitalism.
1: Oh, yes, yes. The, the, it, it, you know there's, there's a multiplicity of them, and I suspect, without being too cynical, that it, it is publisher-driven because uh, the Bible is a, is a great-selling book, probably still the, the best-selling book. And, uh, well, you can't have many more sales by just... Producing more Bibles, you've got to specialise. You've got to segment the market, as it were, and that's what's happening: spirit-filled women's Bibles, which yeah. are usually pink, um, or, or macho men's Bibles, or whatever like that. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, look, they can all be helpful in their own way, but I suspect that it's it's a little bit publisher-driven, and above all, let's get back to the text of the Scripture, read it with the help of the Holy Spirit, and then. Seek whatever help you can from helpful commentators.
0: You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris. You can subscribe to our previous podcasts through the iTunes Store. It's very simple. Just uh, search for LifeWords Q&A, uh, produced by Hope Media, and uh, you can subscribe there, and every week you can get the latest podcasts in your iTunes Store. Otherwise, hop on to hope1032.com.au and uh, look for the LifeWords Q&A through the search bar. Alrighty, David, our second question today is, someone I love very much seems to have given up the faith. What can I do about it?
1: Look, that's such a common experience. I I, I honestly don't think a week goes by in church encounters and other encounters that you don't strike that. So many Christians, um, Christians in leadership, Christians not in leadership, um, wrestle with this very great difficulty Let's tackle one thing first. This questioner has said they seem to have given up their faith, and that's a very, perhaps a good way of looking at it. we can't finally determine the situation. I, I'm a little bit wary of people who say, my uh, my son was a Christian, now he's not. Now, be careful about that. Um, they may have given up on church. They may have given up on a certain style of Christianity. They may be questioned certain fun, questioning certain fundamental beliefs, whatever it is. And yet, such people may yet harbour in their hearts some hidden link with God through Jesus. After all, if you reckon that they once had faith, um, then we have to then ask, well, we'll, we'll have of Will it have completely been forgotten? Has it all just vanished into thin air? So I think it's right to avoid overstatement um, by making a, a statement such as, oh, my son, my wife, my husband, whoever, used to be a Christian and now is not. It's far better to say they seem not to be or they're claiming not to be. And that's fair enough. We have to acknowledge that reality. But their their, their ultimate spiritual state and destiny is only known to God. And remember, I think there'll be some people in heaven who will be very surprised that they be in heaven and there's some people who won't be there we would have expected to be there and yet we may have to conclude that uh, that person's own statements do indicate a falling away now that's another deep issue about that whether you can fall away but i won't go into that because it's not quite the question here, but what do you do when, when you reckon that someone, and you have to take their statements at face value, you can't determine their destiny. I've said that, but but you you have to perhaps agree with their their own conclusion that they've fallen away from faith. Well, well, first of all, please don't write them off um, by, as I said, by assuming they aren't Christians, or just simply say, oh well, they had their chance now they've gone and that's it. Um, Don't write them off because God doesn't, but don't nag them or try to slyly manipulate them back to faith. I, I mean, you know, you might want to leave Christian books around for them or send them Christian articles. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that if it's part of an ongoing dialogue, but I suspect that people like that who have fallen away or seem to have fallen away from faith anyway might be a little bit suspicious of these attempts to get us back or to get them back into the fold. So be careful. Don't indulge in emotional blackmail by going on about how disappointed you might be in them. I think that's a terrible thing to do, for, say, for a to do to a child, how disappointed we are that you are seen to be no longer living the Christian life. Well, you may be disappointed, and it might be right to express that disappointment within yourself to God, to some other people, but expressing it to them, I don't think actually helps the problem at all. So nagging, manipulating, blackmailing, no, I don't think any of that's helped. I I, I think we've really got to obviously go on praying for such people, asking God to give them a nudge. To work things out, so that they can see him again. I think my prayer for in in that situation would be something along the like, line of God, please just give him a nudge, tap him on the shoulder, continue to 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 try to get through to them. But. Even so, this is where it's so difficult, Andrew, that, that we, our prayers in and of themselves do not guarantee that that person is going to come back to faith. So while I would urge such people to pray and to ask God to give that person a nudge, which God's perfectly capable of doing, um, then but it's not, that's not to say that, oh, good, I'm going to pray for that person and therefore their own free will, their own decision-making process is going to be overridden and so they'll come back to the Lord. No, 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 no. I would pray for such a person in that situation uh, hoping and praying that they would come back to the Lord. But my basic um, motivation for prayer is love for that person. Um, and I think love's most vital of, of all, really. I think we go on accepting that person and loving them, not, for, or, or sorry, loving them for who they are, not for who you would wish them to be. And I think some people who've fallen away from faith can, can easily recognize when a Christian ceases to really love them because, oh, you've disappointed me. You haven't lived up to what I expected of you. Therefore, my love for you is, is, is in a subtle way withdrawn. No, we have to We go on accepting them and loving them as they are, not as you might wish them to be, because after all, that's exactly how God loves people. So we need um, God's love there, we can't do it in, in and of ourselves um, and, and and people would say well but isn't it painful, I have to love this person even though that person is turning away from everything I hold dear and so on and, and that's very true but all I'd say to that is and I don't want to sound too harsh but I'd say no look, this this is the love that God feels, this is the pain that God feels because God loves each and every one of us and we who are still his followers and claim to be his followers hurt him and cause him pain and yet he goes on loving us so there's the clue isn't it Uh, yes you go on loving such a person but you're not going to be able to create and manufacture and sustain that love you've got to get it from God because he knows all about that sort of love
0: an interesting take on that question David was recently Cammy and I my wife we went away for the weekend and was speaking to one of the ladies who uh, one of the owners of the place that we're staying at She found out that we were Christians, and then said, "Oh, you know, I'm thinking, I'm having going through a crisis of faith, and I'm asking all these questions." And it was from her perspective; she thought she was losing her faith, and I guess both um, Cammy and I got the gut feeling that "Mm, no, you're actually asking the right questions. I think you actually you're 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 struggling and struggling with your faith in a good way. That's going to give you you're searching. Uh,
1: That's right. Some people you see, as I said at the outset, to answer this question have not actually ceased to become Christians. They may well have turned against the sort of Christianity that you might be embracing. Now, that doesn't make you wrong and them right. It simply means that they are making their own journey. Or it could be that they have turned away from church. I, as a minister, come across this a lot. People who have turned aside from church because of the pain and the abuse they've experienced, and yet haven't turned necessarily away from Jesus. Or they might have turned away from a certain intellectual system of, of, of thinking about the Christian faith and instead embracing a different way of looking at things. So I think that's why we've got to be very careful, like that person you indicated there. It was That that person you were talking about might have thought, well, I'm falling away from faith. But in fact, they're, they're not falling away from faith at all. They're merely just looking at faith, exploring faith. Yeah. In a different way, because doubting your faith and questioning your faith
0: is part of the growth to Christian maturity. You're listening to Q and QA. If you've got a, a follow up question or a, a brand new question that hasn't been asked, please email David. The email address is lifewords at au It's LifeWords. At hopemedia.com.au. Our final question, David, is What do you think Jesus means when he tells us to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God that which is God's?
1: Well, this was one of those instances, many instances in Jesus' life, where he was in danger of being trapped by hostile questioners. It wasn't a genuine question, to be honest. But it, it raises an, a, a genuine issue. You see, the questioners wanted him to either simply accept Roman authority. Uh, oh, you've got, to, you've got to render to Caesar everything that Caesars. Um, or d- deny or defy Roman authority. Now, in either case, he would have been in trouble, if he had have said, "Well, Caesar is the one that's most important. Um, we simply have got to do what he says." The 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 religious leaders might have said, "Oh, well, you know, um, this is putting Caesar above God." But then again, if he had have said, "Oh, don't worry about Caesar. Only worry about serving God," they could have reported him to the Roman authorities as a as a man guilty of treason. So Jesus sort of gets out of it as it way in in a way by offering a more balanced answer. In brief, I think he's saying saying, the civil authorities have a legitimate claim on our lives, but so too does God. And um, he, 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 in that particular case, he might be saying that Caesar was entitled to taxes and respect, uh, but he was not entitled to worship. Uh, so he was trying to say, yes, I'm not going to go all the way by rendering everything to Caesar. I'm not going to render worship to him. But at the same time, oh, yeah, we pay our taxes. They provide the services. We provide the taxes. He, in fact, we might not like his authority, but he is the civil authority, so we have to respect that. But hey, we can't put him over and above God. So the general principle seems to be that the state authorities have legitimate authorities. We might not always like what they do, but that's no excuse for personal lawlessness. Jesus certainly wasn't advocating that. Christians are to be good citizens. But the state can't trample on a Christian's obligation to serve God. Now, in, in our system, well, it could change certainly in, in time, but in our system, in our country, there's usually no clash. We can usually render to the, to the state what is the state's and render to God what is God's because, in general, our civil authorities don't don't confuse those two things. But it can come to a point, and if it did come to a point, we might have to do what the the apostles in the book of Acts did that we uh, have to obey God rather than man as it were and so I think Jesus is saying yes yes there may be times when that's what you have to do but in general the, the civil authority has a certain claim on your life and yet God has an overriding claim on your life and we hope and pray and trust that generally speaking we can do both we can honour the civil authorities we can honour God and they're not going to clash but when it comes to a clash uh, uh, then we have to honour God above all.
0: You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. G'day, Andrew Morris. Thank you very much for your company over the past uh, 15 minutes or so. Another three questions answered. If you'd like uh, a question to be answered in the coming weeks, please email David LifeWords at hopemedia.com.au. And again, thank you for your company. We'll speak to you soon.